tonight we want to finish our study on Abraham, the friend of God. Uh, last uh, time we began this, uh, uh, and we had part one, now we're going to have part two. I'm going to review those uh, verses that uh, we find this truth in God's word. First of all, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel, gave us it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And then in Isaiah 41, verse 8, But thou, Israel, art my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham my friend. And then in the New Testament, James 2, 23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, in our last uh, study in part one, uh, we saw that uh, there were friendship-involved altars. And we talked about the altar of sacrifice and the altar of worship. And then we also talked about the friendship involves acknowledgement, the acknowledgement of his presence and the acknowledgement through prayer. Moving on tonight, we want to look at friendship involves access. Friendship involves access. All right. We go to Genesis chapter 13 and... Uh, there's a number of passages here in Genesis that would be good for us to look at uh, tonight. Genesis 13, of course, Genesis 12 was talking about the call of Abraham uh, and or the, the uh, instruction for him to move on to a new land. But in Genesis 13 and verse 14, we read, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. Then in verse 18, notice in chapter 13, verse 18, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. And then we go over to chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and a steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is, is my heir. And then turn over to chapter 17 and verse 3. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying. All right, and then chapter 18 and verse 20. Chapter 18 and verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see 
whether thy, they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is, Come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So here you have several passages that talk about the communication that's going on between God and Abram. God's giving him instructions. Uh, but these are uh, passages that are really some tender, tense, and tense moments between Abraham and God. So the first uh, uh, point here is that access in tender times. Be a friend of God. There must be access in tender times. When Abraham was fearful, fearful at the thought of being childless, he had the comfort of the Lord in a personal way. That's what we saw there in chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Someone made a very uh, good observation here on this passage. They said, holding these two responses of Abraham together and noting that each is separated in introduced by, and Abram said. Now we get the impression that Abram spoke twice before God answered. That's in chapter 15 in verses uh, 1 through 3. Uh, you get the impression there that Abram uh, talked to God twice. In verse 2 it says, and Abram said, Lord God. In verse 3, and Abram said, behold to me. So we have that uh, impression that uh, Abram spoke twice before God answered. Apparently this is exactly the way the event transpired before God applies the new comfort that he is about to administer to Abram. He gives Abram a full opportunity to share his thoughts that oppress him in order that the divine comfort may operate more effectively. So there's Access in tender times. Secondly, there's access in tense times. Many times when you have friends, everything goes smooth, right? <laughs> you have a friend, and you always agree on everything, right? No. no we don't even agree with one another at home, do we? But we're still friends, right? We're still friends, right? She says we're still friends. So, uh, but we can share with each other in spite of each other. God was really a friend to Abraham. He loved him in spite of his tense remarks. Not only did God and Abraham talk with each other, not only did they talk to each other, but they did not always agree with one another. Now, in order to have a good friend, you don't need somebody that agrees with you all the time. You don't need somebody that takes your side on every issue or always thinks your point of view is best. Good friends actually can argue. Believe that? You can argue and still be on the same side. Good friends can disagree and refuse to be disagreeable. Good friends need not always see eye to eye, but 
Good friends must be willing to listen to what the other has to say. So you consider this tense discussion between the Lord and Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was pleading with God. He was bargaining with God, if you please, about sparing the city if there was enough righteous people in it. So uh, there are some tense times, but there are also some tender times. So access. So we've seen altars, acknowledgement, access, and then fourthly, friendship involves association. In Genesis 14, verse 19, it says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be, be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. If you go over to Luke, you find in Luke 20 and verse 27, Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord of, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So Moses was bringing in that association of the God of Abraham. In Acts 3.13, the God of Abraham, it says there, and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he determined to let him go. So you see, this friendship involves associations on down the line. First of all, there's association with his position. Actually, over 54 times, there's a Bible reference that's made to the God of Abraham. 54 times. There's a number of times that this title is used in tandem with the names Isaac and Jacob, as well as I already mentioned there in Luke. He talks about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. In Acts, he said the God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob. So a number of times you find it in association with uh, these other two men as well. There in Luke, in chapter 20, verse 37, that title was used to remind the Sadducees of Jehovah's identification with Abraham. This God, said Christ, is not the God of a of the dead, but of the living. Abraham is still alive and identified with the Lord. So are we identified with the Lord? And are we loyal to his cause? There were times in Abraham's life when his example wasn't the best. But in the area of sticking with it, Abraham was a great example. God expects the same kind of loyalty from his friends today. If you're a friend of God... He expects that from you. So there was the association with his position. Secondly, association with his principles. When asked if God was on the side of the North in the Civil War, Abraham, uh, Abraham Lincoln responded, another Abraham. He said, it's not a matter if God is on the side of the Union, but is the Union on the side of God. Are we too quick to say God is our friend without asking, are we God's friend? The truth is, not everyone is a friend of God. So we have the altars, we have the acknowledgement, we have the access, the association, and then friendship involves action. Genesis 17, verse 1, And when Abram 
was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. In John 8, 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye are Abraham's children, ye will do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. So friendship involves action. In Genesis 17, 1, it says, uh, God said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. And in John, there was the action of, uh, well, if you're going to kill me, then how, how are you going to be called uh, a friend of Abraham? Because that's not what Abraham would have done. So there's actions first of obedience. The Lord told Abraham who was he was after Abraham that had become involved with Hagar. Abraham needed to be reminded that God he worshipped was almighty. That nothing was too hard for him. See, Abraham tried to help God out. And neither Abraham nor Sarah reasoned that there were some other than earthly way for God to keep his promise. We have to be reminded sometimes that when we try to get something done that we say, well, I can handle it myself, and yet and it may seem impossible, but not with God. And with that reminder there in Genesis 17:1 came the reproof to walk before God and be perfect, be complete, be mature. In the context, this had to serve as a rebuke for the imperfect way that Hagar uh, Hagar the, was planned and evaluated and adopted. Again, in John 8.40, tells us that though Abraham still did not do the things, uh, kind of things the Pharisees did, who made a, a great deal of being the sons of Abraham, Abraham responded faithfully to rebuke the rebuke of God because he knew that this holy God was his friend and he would deal with him in truth. Because Abraham knew who God was. There's an old proverb that says that only your real friends will tell you when your face is dirty. And God is, an, uh, God is friend enough to tell us that when we're not walking with him perfectly. So there's actions that are of obedience. Second, there's actions that are obvious. A friend of God loves God. James 2.24 tells us that Abraham loved God and proved it to him by serving him. It wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect, but his heart was set to do God's will. He wanted to please God. Sometimes we get a distorted idea of what love is. One night a man decided to show his wife how much he loved her. So after dinner he began to recite her romantic poetry telling her, that he would climb the high, highest mountains to see her, swim the widest ocean, cross the deserts in burning heat of the day, and even sit at her window to sing love songs in the moonlight. And after listening to him go on and on and on, she asked, but will you wash the dishes? 
You know, we can, we can say things, but we have to prove it with our actions. And Abraham proved his love with, for God. He left his homeland. He went to the land and the culture that was unfamiliar with him. He was willing to offer his one and only son to God. So if we truly love God, we'll do more than just talk about it. We'll do more than just sing about it. We'll prove it by our obedience and come out in our actions. A friend of God loves God. So altars, acknowledgement, access, association, action, and then friendship involves assurance. Assurance. For in Romans 4, 2, and, uh, and 3 says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, and not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Galatians 3, 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted for him to him for righteousness. And then our uh, text, main text in James 2.23 in the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So assurance is assurance of God's faithfulness. All the distinguishing characteristics of Abraham's friendship with God, the one uh, that was the greatest was this one. He had to believe the Lord for his testimony to be said of him that he was a friend of God. Because without belief, there would be no uh, righteousness. Without faith, there would have been no way to please God or even come to him for help. Without belief, there's no way for a friendship to go anywhere. And so there's assurance of God's friendship. He who will be a friend of God must choose to believe what he says. The greatest opportunity afforded to any person is to be a friend of God. I close with this illustration called the furnace keeper. One of the ancient kings of Persia loved to mingle with his friends in disguise. Once dressed as a poor man, he descended the long flight of stairs, dark and damp, to a tiny cellar where the fireman, seated on the ashes, was tending the furnace. The king sat down beside him and began to talk. At mealtime, the fireman produced some coarse black bread and some, a jug of water, and they ate and they drank. The king went away, but returned again and again, for his heart was filled with sympathy for this lonely man. Lonely man. They became very good friends as time passed. And at last the king thought, I'll tell him who I am, and I'll see what gift he will ask. And so he did, but the fireman didn't ask for anything. The king was astonished and said, don't you realize I can give you anything? I can give you a whole city. I can give you the throne. The man gently replied, I understand your majesty, but you've already given me the greatest gift that any man can receive. You left your palace to sit with me here in this dark and lonely place. You could have given me nothing more precious. You've given me yourself. And that's far more than I could ever deserve. Lord Jesus Christ has come and sat with us. And he's given to us himself. And that's more than we deserve. If that isn't a grand 
illustration of the power of friendship. I don't know what would be. Because to be a friend of God, what an honor, what a privilege, what a responsibility. It involves altars, acknowledgement, access, association, action, and assurance. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for these great truths from your word concerning being a friend of God, being your friend. And we just thank you, Lord, for Abraham's example. We know he wasn't per perfect. None of us here are perfect, but one of the greatest honors and privileges that we could have, one of the great responsibility we would have is to be your friend. So we pray your blessing of this lesson and these thoughts to our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm.